So welcome to the Self-Connection Podcast. Um, I have the pleasure of welcoming John Bannon back uh, for our second conversation. And uh, John, you and I have been uh, talking about a, a great variety of things related to Virginia Satir's work and trying to understand some of the central words that are related to uh, deep experiences that have maybe a transcendent quality. Some might call it a spiritual quality. And uh, I thought in addition to some conversations we've had about a man named David Bohm, B-O-H-M, and he, uh, there's a documentary called Infinite Potential that recently came out that we've both seen. And we've, we've been, I think, looking at some of his lectures. He's passed away now. I think he died in uh, 2014, I believe, um, maybe earlier. But um, I thought you and I could have a conversation about the connection between David Bohm's work and Virginia Satir. So I think um, maybe I, I would turn it to you to start us off with an initial question. What are some questions as you've been looking at his work? And I know you've been reviewing a lot of Virginia Satir's writings, uh, writings that are officially published and also things that are in the archive um, with written notes and things like that. What's a question that uh, you have that you've, that's been percolating in your mind that could start us off? And I, should, I would also like to preface what, we, what I had um, stated before we started recording is that um, instead of doing a formal meditation for five minutes before we talk, I would like us to, inv in, to engage in this conversation as if it were meditation, to bring as much awareness and presence to the connection between us and what we're talking about, and to try to make these words come to life as much as possible. So it's not just um, an abstraction, but we try to to really experience something as we're speaking about whatever we're speaking about. Um, so John, I, I want to turn it over to you now to, to get us started with a, an initial question, an area of, of exploration in when you think about Virginia's work and what you've been seeing with David Bohm, where do your thoughts go? Well, yeah, the first thing is I want to remember that when I spent time with Virginia Satir, she would use the word wholeness a lot. And she would always spell it with W-H-O-L-E, W-H-O-L-E. And I think we heard it in a very, very shallow uh, level of wholeness, just being one so-called oneself mm. in, in a very everyday kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I always thought it was there was more to it. There was more to than just wholeness in a very physical kind of level. And when I listened to the tape about David Bohm, and he described it much more as a universal wholeness, in being in, being in tune and being part of the whole universe. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that sort of triggered me to say, well, probably Virginia Satir meant that all along, but we didn't hear it. Yeah. Now I can hear it. And it's kind of exciting to say, okay, she already talked about it. It doesn't mean that we actually noticed it or we appreciate it, 
But now I can go back and say, I might, my guess, my, my sense, not on my guess, my sense is that she really meant what David Bohm talked about. So I was trying to make that connection. Yeah. That's what got me excited. Yeah, th that is really exciting because my question is, well, what the hell did David Bohm really mean when he said well, wholeness? I mean, that, that's a complicated thing. And, uh, and I think what, I think there's something that Virginia did that was important because she was part of this humanistic <laughs> movement to say each individual has worth, whether you're uh, a woman or a child or a person of a different color, each person is whole. So I think there was an important step. There was kind of like a linear step that needed to take place of which she was an important leader. But I think what, what we're going to talk about is something beyond that, which is uh, how separate are we in our in my body over here, your body over there? Mm -hmm. How much are we connected? How much are we part of a whole, a different kind of way of thinking about whole that's different than thinking about my own individual self, which gets into maybe something like self-esteem, my, my thoughts and feelings about myself. So to me, then, it, could, it has to come into the whole word of energy. You know, at what level of energy are we connected? And it seems like what, what to me, with David Bohm talking about it, he talked about it from physics. Mm -hmm. and and there have been people like you and maybe me who have said that quantum physics has a great um, effort, great success of supporting some of the stuff that Satir talked about. So now here is a physicist talking about wholeness and there's Satir talking about wholeness and what are the connection? Mm -hmm. So yes, mm -hmm. we can look at each person is whole and, and is worthwhile, but maybe we are all part of a universal energy mm -hmm. and we can be connected at that level of energy. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we are automatically connected within that, uh, that level of energy. Yes, yes. And then something happens that, that creates the illusion that we're not that that we're not connected to that larger energy. And one of the things that David Bohm says at the beginning of that documentary, which I highly recommend uh, that everyone check out, Infinite Potential, and I'll put a link for it. He starts off by saying that when you look out into the sky at night and you see all the stars, you focus on the stars as things, as things to pay attention to. But there's some kind of comment he makes about, well, the space, between the stars is the thing to really pay attention to and what's going on there. And he also describes this childhood memory where you know, he's, he's jumping across rocks and on a stream or a river or something. And then he notices as a child, maybe 10 or 11 years old, he's not focusing on one rock at a time. He gets into a flow. He gets into a flow and there's a relationship between him and the, the whole environment. And that, was sort of a beginning metaphor or analogy that he used to, to do what he tr was trying to do in physics, which, I mean, the, the, the mathematics of the physics, the, the theoretical part of it is, is um, much over my head. But from what I understand from the description, he was trying to integrate quantum physics, which is about the microscopic level, and the theory of relativity created by Einstein, which is the more macro level. And so what is, what is that? interweaving and what is that relationship mm -hmm. and then i think then we transition to trying to discover 
what it means for there to be such a thing as wholeness. What does it mean to be whole? What does it mean to be in touch with um, space? And I think space is a, has been an interesting word that I've been thinking about because um, a bowl that doesn't have space has no capacity to hold anything, right? So if, if, if it loses that emptiness, then what, what use does it have? And there's that, there's this I think Zen story about um, a, a student coming to the master and the, the student, you know, pontificating and showing everything that he knows. And then the, the master Zen teacher can't get a word in edgewise. And then finally the Zen master starts pouring tea into his student's cup and mm -hmm. pours and pours and pours until it starts spilling all over the place. And then the student gets, his, gets uh, kind of aware of what's going on. He says, master, what are you doing? And the master says, um, if you have no space for my tea, you know, if everything, if you have everything in your cup, what, how can you taste my tea? Yeah. Um, so space is, I think it's, it's very important. I'm not exactly sure what it is. And maybe the problem is, uh, maybe prematurely defining it. So yeah, what's, what's coming up for you? Yeah, no, I want to tell you a story about a pianist. The pianist was praised about his playing of his music, his piano. And he said, no, anybody can play those notes. It's the silence between them mm. that I'm really good at. Mm -hmm. it's the silence between the notes yeah. that I pay attention to. Yeah. It, to me, it's that, that whole concept is what is between, what is the between, between there. Not what is, what is the star, but what is between there? What is between the notes and the piano? What so, is there? So <clears throat> maybe before we make it like, right now we're emphasizing words like space or space, space <laughs> between the silences between the notes. There's something, um, that I want to make a connection to, which is there's something called the double slit experiment um, mm -hmm. in physics. Now I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this, but basically it's they're shining light through um, different blocks. So there's basically two slits and they're watching, does this light behave like a particle or does it behave like a wave? Now I'm, I'm not sh sure precisely what that means, but the, the sort of way that I would, bring that to maybe psychology is or to even the example of the pianist is is hitting the note the particular note like if that's a form and what happens between the notes is something that's formless in in our human consciousness a particular pattern of thinking of behaving of feeling is a form and our ability to detach or to let go or to soften those forms might be the formless and so i don't i don't want to emphasize that you know formless is, is somehow right or the right place to place our emphasis or the form is the right place but i think there is this relationship and you know i, I connected it to the that presentation i did about wanting to integrate the hierarchical level with the seed level mm -hmm. um which is basically trying to talk about the same thing that there's you know when you walk into a school there's a certain form there's certain expectations there's a certain role there's a certain 
hierarchy of roles. And there's the seed level, which Virginia talked a lot about, which is we're all unique manifestations of life, life force. And so what does it mean to be either or, or what does it mean to have these elements interacting with each other as if they were part of one whole? And so this is, um, I think what I'm trying to understand more mm. and to experience more because I think we were playing with these concepts or these, these realities all the time. Here we are having a conversation and I'm using words to form ideas or energies that I'm in touch with or want to be in touch with and feel as yearnings. And I'm trying to connect with you and to see if you and I can engage in a flow um, where it's not either or it's not, I know everything. So nothing more needs to be said or as I know nothing. And so I can't say anything, but there's some sort of a mixture um, happening. So yeah. you know, more at a more uh, basic level. Yes. I want to get back there. I really like that. But at the basic level, when I look at or listen to Virginia Satir, the more, the many times she said, and, and it's not, or it's, and mm -hmm. it's, like mm -hmm. I could, I could find all kinds of references to her always saying, and you can't just do either or. And I think that is one of the, uh, the gifts that she's giving to you, even though others might not appreciate it, that the hierarchy and the seed model are and. Yes. There's an and. Yeah. We miss the and. Yeah. We looked at. I'm, now, I'm, I'm, sorry, go ahead. No, sometimes I thought of looking at, uh, you know, we need to differentiate before we can connect. And maybe we can, we need to connect before, before we can integrate. And sometimes we have talked so much, especially I feel with my experience in Asia and looking back at our culture, we have been so busy individuation, individuate, individuate. I mean, we have a whole family therapy system that makes individuation one of the primary mm -hmm. components. <clears throat> and it, I just wonder if we have stopped too early yeah. and that we are really much more connected or even better integrated or we are part of the whole so maybe there are mm. this graduate gradation of of individuation connection integration yeah yeah no i think that there's there's a there's an initial step where maybe i engage in a behavioral pattern where my anger takes over and I shout at someone or I go to aggressiveness and I'm just not conscious of it. And so, you know, engaging in some awareness, developing an awareness of maybe where these patterns come from, noticing what I do, that awareness helps me separate from the pattern. So I, I could say this isn't me. And then this is just psychological or psychic energy flowing in a particular way based on what I saw my parents doing or because of my temperament or because of, you know, pre-established patterns, mm -hmm. the, the fight pattern that's instinctive. And then coming to an awareness of it, I can separate and see choice. Um, then as I'm sort of playing in the space of, of awareness, I could see many different choices that I might have. You know, 
I could, um, you know, just try to relax myself. I could express what I'm angry about or dig deeper and see what needs are needs are being missed by me or by someone else and express it openly. But I think to, to what you were saying, if we lose connection to everything that I'm doing is towards individuation, then I might lose sense of, I might come to be aware that I am whole, but I might lose a connection to the sense that I'm, there's a wholeness between me and my family or me and let's say the human family or the whole universe, right? So it just, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think, um, well, why, I don't know if this is, the right direction or even if that's the right way to frame it but um why why do you think that might be useful john to um think about wholeness beyond the individual how might that help us that's a funny question <laughs> i mean it might be true and it might just be worth knowing the truth about what's going on you know in this in this life but that's uh... Why is it important to know that you're needing oxygen to to survive? <clears throat> I think we are, our human nature, we're interested in understanding, you know, what is reality? What is really the whole thing about? And for me to, 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 to ignore this part of life's experience when we get all kinds of indication to it, maybe satir by intuition, David Bohm by physics, by, by quantum physics, we are all finding out that there's more than, there's more than my thoughts, my feelings, my body, there's more. And to me, it's just, well, I, I don't know if that's a cliche, but it's just human nature that we want to understand who we are and incorporate more than just me, you know? Yeah. So I, th I think, so. yeah, I, but I think it's, it's more <laughs> than just understanding. I think, yeah, I think there is a, there is a po the possible benefit in um, that if I'm only attached to the forms of my thought and I have a conclusion that let's say uh, you being the age that you are, you belonging to the, the ethnic group that you belong to, that somehow we are too different to connect, right? I just have this pre-established mm -hmm. division. Um, maybe you, you subscribe to a particular religion that creates division. And once there's division, there's conflict. Um, and so we see this across all kinds of lines uh, between um, divisions of gender, of race, of sexuality. There's all kinds of religion, of course. There's all kinds of divisions that lead to conflict. So... I think the notion of wholeness, if, if it can be validated across multiple disciplines like science, philosophy, psychology, um, if, if it can have sort of a, a universal grounding, it, I think it might help us move towards peace, which was one of Virginia's wishes that there could be peace mm -hmm. within, between and among. Um, so I think it is a very important issue um that that we're trying to explore here um what's your experience with wholeness personally can you share that when when have you felt do you feel it all the time 
what what's it like on the inside experience of that for you no i think that i find wholeness at very different levels kind of to me to me a wholeness i can feel it in myself that kind of everyday thing but i think in in terms of deep meditation there is there it goes way beyond it like if i look at uh, a if you look at thoughts you're talking about thoughts there for a while you know if i look at i thinking i'm thinking and then i'm not i might go below thinking when i watch television and i i sort of just do nothing i go below thinking and then if i can go below thinking like like uh, veggie you know be be a kind of zombie mm-hmm. or, and then i go above thinking which for some people haven't experienced and if they go beyond thinking then there is a feeling of oneness so in in a meditation pl- plan i can go beyond what i would call and others have called beyond thinking there's no thinking mm-hmm. so it's a different meditation than i'm watching my thoughts you know, which is one way of, of meditation but in a, in a more more what but I might call it at this moment spiritual point I go beyond that thought pattern and when I'm beyond that thought pattern I feel when I come back that I have been connected with the universe that I am one with the universe that is mm-hmm. there's a oneness there that would be my my personal experience of what I'm talking about in terms of of uh, what mm-hmm. the word's wholeness would be Mm-hmm. So to me, then oneness is to me wholeness. So I don't know if I would differentiate much between oneness mm-hmm. and wholeness. So some yeah. people in the, in the uh, East they would talk more about oneness, one with the universe, mm-hmm. yeah. or you are one, but you don't experience it because we're, we're so busy experiencing herself at a lower vibration so that greater and greater separation takes place even when you talk about feelings you know, we you we have different culture background so we 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 become further and further apart well as you go higher on these vibrations my thought is that you then become more and more connected with everything else mm-hmm. So that would be a simple answer for me. Yeah, I think um, there's this distinction in one of the conversations that I heard between Krishnamurti and David Bohm. They they use the words thought and thinking differently. And what um, within the Satir model, one of the survival coping stances is super reasonable. And I know your your friend and colleague uh, Stuart. Uh, Stuart Piddock, yeah. Yeah, Stuart Piddock. He wrote a paper about super reasonableness and he wanted to reframe it as uh, pseudo super reasonable. He he was sort of critiquing the use of that uh, as a survival coping stance. And anyways, I, I think it's important, this distinction, because I think there can be experience of the transcendent that certainly transcend words that's to transcend thinking in the traditional formal sense. But I think there can also be a 
a connection to wholeness or oneness that expresses itself through some words too. And so I don't, so I want to make this distinction because I don't want to give thinking a bad rap. I think it is an important, like what, what, because otherwise, like, what's the point of this conversation? Like we're trying to think and we're articulating certain mm -hmm. thoughts, but hopefully what's happening is that we're not just regurgitating fixed patterns of thoughts that we're, we're really trying to work something out that, that, you know, we, we, we can't pin down specifically. And I think that would be, that would be dangerous. It's what you said about the word and, um, that it's a, can be a continuous unfolding. Um, but that, th that thinking at least is, I think an important part of it is being aware of what is the difference between a thought, something that's maybe just a fixed habit that a conclusion that I have sort of fixed in my mind and in my body and my way of being that may actually block me from connecting to oneness that may block me from connecting to other people. Um, when I was uh, out this morning with my son, I just had this thought because I used to be quite devout Christian when I was um, in high school and I was the president of the high school Christian fellowship. And that was a really important part of my life. And, you know, after a few years of university and, I, what I was challenged by, I was meeting so many people that I really liked that had a different take, a uh, different religion, a different philosophy. Then, mm -hmm. And I just couldn't reconcile, how can I connect with these people if I'm in a particular frame? And one of the things is, as we talk about these things is I, I want to be able to have an understanding of the world where I'm not excluding anyone. I want to be able to connect in a very real and in a very deep way with with everyone that's willing. And I think I saw, that's what I saw Virginia doing, traveling around the world, being able to, to support change and transformation in so many different countries that she was engaging in, in these universals that I, that we're exploring right now. Yeah. What, what do you make of well, uh, yeah. that? So, so see, to me, you're raising a question. I I'm, I'm going to be uh, whatever, a Buddhist or Hindu, and there, so therefore, I will I will only relate to people who are at that kind of a level. And now we're saying, I think what I hear you saying, so about is that we're connecting at different levels. So I want to connect at you with at the emotional level, and at the uh, at the mental level and maybe at the spiritual level. Mm -hmm. So there's not just this one connection that you have to go into samadhi and then you can connect. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. we, we need, and I think Satir talking about connection isn't just at the spiritual level. It's also at the physical level, at the emotional level, at the, at the mental level. Yeah, and yeah. I think you're saying something similar to that you want to be connected with people at at different levels mm -hmm. now some people who have no experience or no awareness of that wholeness you can still connect with them at different levels you know even just you can play with them you can have a little game with them there's connection at at that level so i thought what this is could be about is where we want to continue 
we want to raise the variation, the different levels of connection. And you're writing about connection. So now, how can you, how can you and I, even on a, on a Zoom kind of thing, how can we connect at that level? So maybe we have words like, okay, if I have more compassion, I have more love, I have more gratitude, I have more joy, I'm more bliss, and I'm in that, that elevated emotional state, and you are at that state too, say, then we are connected at the total picture, the big total picture of life that we're experiencing. I think those words that you used, love, compassion, acceptance, I, I, I would think of them, I would differentiate them. There can be emotional, there can be emotions attached to them, but I would think of them actually as maybe different or a higher level or more transcendent than yeah. emotional yeah. states I in themselves. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is, okay, so maybe they can be thought of as, as energy or they can be thought of consciousness. So if I, if I start to intentionally, and so the, the Buddhists do this, they have a, a meditation called loving kindness, where they're specifically reflecting on loving kindness, compassion towards myself, towards others, towards others whom I have difficulty with. And they're in this meditative state, they're tr a person is practicing trying to ex enrich their awareness, enrich their consciousness with an energy that's different than, let's say, the survival coping energies of fight, flight, or freeze, or mm -hmm. blaming and placating, so that they're, the, the quality of their consciousness is, is inherently different and um, somehow more fluid, somehow more flexible, somehow clearer. And yeah, I think those, those universal words, which I, I think can be found in the, the, the major religions of the world, things like love, compassion, the golden rule. Um, when, when we're, if we can find a common pillars, um, then maybe we can get out of the tower of Babel and we can, we can start being able to talk to one another and connect to one another. I think what you're saying in terms of being able to connect on certain levels and then not, I think that does introduce incongruity that uh, will obviously limit our connections. And, and so I'm interested like to, to have enriching human connections. What will that take? What kind of shift in, in consciousness? And one of the things that I'm learning from Krishnamurti, who's, who's difficult to listen to, honestly, he, he speaks in very kind of cryptic ways, but I'm realizing the reason why he does that is, I think one of the reasons why he does that is because he's trying to disrupt the attachment to conclusion, the attachment to what we think we know, um, and to to be to 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 feel through. Okay, this isn't just a thought. This is not just another dogma that I'm forming, but this is uh, an energy of consciousness that is alive, that's vital. And I, and I think this gets into Virginia's language, Virginia Satir's language of life force. That what she was, I think one of the reasons why she was able to work so effectively is she was able to be in touch with that vital flowing force in her and then 
to connect and to encourage that out of the people that she was with. Um, yeah, I've seen her do that. Yeah. Can Can you describe that or describe Life Force a, a little bit from from what you learned in Virginia, what you saw with her? Well, see, to me, then there are all kinds of things. To me, it was like having a sense of being in tune with yourself, you know, or take a look at all these things that get in the way, like disappointments, unhappiness, uh, judgments, feelings like anger, fear, all that, to go beyond that to become, become in tune, which I think we, we very often refer to as being congruent. But to, to her, I think congruent meant really being in tune with that self, the I am, being in tune with that, and then bring that kind of energy, that kind of human thing. Yeah. Like I, I want I to give you an example, because I had the great privilege of also getting to know Carl Rogers. Mm -hmm. And when people and I would meet Carl Rogers, we would kind of be in awe with him because of him and who he, he stood for. And then when you became in touch with Virginia Satir, yeah, I would suddenly feel, I feel great. Mm. It's not just I feel so great about Carl Rogers. I feel great about me when I'm with Satir. That's so, been the biggest difference between meeting him or others that are of such high status in our community to when meeting with her. I would feel so validated and connected or it was even like she could raise my vibration. So it could be just, okay, I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. All I need to do is I want to be with you. If I'm any, any time with you, I will feel better. And what I feel is what she would do, what she was able to do is she would be able to raise once uh, congruence, not the good best word, but the level of being at the energy level without even talking to you, just to be in her presence. Okay. Am I making but, sense? Well, it begs the question, how, John? How, well, how? To me, you know, no, no, that's not so bad. To me, it's just I, the, the, that question is easier. It's the next question that's more difficult. So the, the question, the first, the first answer that, that she would be in a different state of consciousness. In herself. In herself. So mm -hmm. that's it. Now, the, the next question for me is how to get there. That, that's another aspect mm -hmm. of it for me. So to me, it's not the what as much as the how. The what to me is that she would be in a state of, of uh, consciousness, of such a higher level of consciousness that she would bring that level, that energy. Mm. Now, so you feel so, that Carl, Carl Rogers was, was I hate to be sort of hierarchical about it, but maybe that he was functioning at a lower level of vibration or of energy than Virginia? He would be, well, you know, I don't know if I ever told you, but I have a tape of them. They did you sent, you sent that to me. Yeah, you sent yeah, that to I me. I listened to, to it, yeah. So, so what I would say, no, I wouldn't quite go that far. I would say that he would contain it more. 
he would contain it more than she would. She would be much more generous about about uh, shining it, like and sharing that, sharing it with sharing others. It. So it would be like I have a, a light, like I have a light here that I can turn up and down. She she would shine it out, whereas he would contain it more. So I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that he didn't have it. It's just that he would be much more internal, in in inside of himself. And so you wouldn't feel that coming from him until you spend really some time with him. And then you'd say, yeah, that, that's, he's got it. He's got it. Mm-hmm. Virginia would say something about lighting a candle. Can you, can you share what she said about that? Because Krishnamurti has a different take on, on that or maybe the same. So I'm just wondering, can you kind of refresh my memory about what she'd say about candles and lighting candles? Well, see, yeah, I don't know. Okay, see if I can have the words for it. And she felt that we were uh, what a, a jewel, say, of ourselves, or we were a light. Light would be the probably better word. Mm-hmm. We were a light, and then if she, if she could help you or me light our own candle, that we would shine. That meant for me. That meant that we would have our own self, self worth, our own self. I am would be in our, our essence would be a better word. That we would, we would, we would connect with our essence, be more our essence, and shine it to mm-hmm. let it let it manif- manifest would be a better word. I'm manifesting my own life energy. Yeah. In order to do that, I might need a little external assistance to help me acknowledge that and experience mm. that. And I think the picture that I, I don't know if this is accurate to what Virginia said, but the picture that I have from people that have described it is if I'm a light unto myself, the best of what I can do is shine my light around you so that you can get to a place where you're lighting your own candle and then be aware of the light that's shining within you not that i'm going to light your <clears throat> your light for you or turn it on for you because i think there's a i mean just obviously this is a, a metaphorical language or symbolic language but i think there's something in the way that we share energy with one another that's very important as it relates to let's at least say human boundaries because i think we we are trying to talk about um wholeness here Right. And I think there's a there's a difference, at least when I think about couples, uh, there's a difference between couples where both partners are standing on their own two feet with their dignity and a positive sense of their self-worth as distinct from relationships that I've seen and have worked with where both of the partners really don't have a way of being in touch with their self or have a positive sense of self-esteem. They're much more like leaning on one another. So if one walks away, the other collapses. Um, yeah. What's, what's your take on this, this notion of light, lightness, the lightness of, well, of the, being. I think the, the, the we got to go beyond the metaphor and beyond the metaphor is that we have, we are spirit but we don't realize it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like 
I need to find it somewhere. It's already there. To me, it's right. like we are already spirit, but right. we're so busy at a lower level of existence that we don't even know we are Great. spirit. Great. Oh, I like that. I like that. Because I think... So, mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I like that because I think the, the patterns that we develop for survival are what traps the light or, or blocks us from being aware of that. Yeah. yeah. And so to me, it was, a, it was a metaphor, but it's not a complete metaphor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, the, there, is, there is this basic belief that we are all there already. We yes. already, you are already have an essence you already essence mm. you are already spiritual you already have that part it's now a matter of how do you get to uh, manifest it how do you get to experience it how do you manifest it how do you share it aspect of it and so one way is to show that i will show it that i have it and now i will i hope you believe that you have it and you will find it and then we both can be lit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or we can both know that we were light the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's one of the realizations. Oh, I yeah. had this whole yes. aspect. Yes, yes. I there mean, isn't a transition from the darkness is because something's mm -hmm. covering the light, not that it wasn't there. And mm -hmm. maybe what, you know, in the role of therapists, what we're helping to do is to um, remove the, the things that block. Because I think you know, a, a concrete example of this is when people can realize that their light has been shining in the coping that they had. If there's life energy in the use of dissociation or of the defense mechanism that they have because they wanted to survive, you know, mm -hmm. or they blame themselves for their parents' abuse because they didn't want to be abandoned. So it's much more empowering to say it was, it was my fault. I did it. I'm no good. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's limited, obviously, but it's, a, it's done because of a desire to stay connected or to belong or to receive love. So there's light in that, even though it's malformed or limited, very limited. Um, okay, so let's, how are we doing with wholeness? I don't want to deviate too far. What, what are yeah. we saying that, that is well, to tie back into wholeness? So let's, no, let's, say, let's see if we can look at wholeness at different levels. I'm whole within myself, I'm whole in, in a relationship, I'm whole with, with the universe. I'm whole, their wholeness could be different, different size, almost different size. You mean different it's, scales, like different scales? Different, so there's a yeah. family level, there's a community level, yeah. there's a country level, there's a world level, there's a cosmic yeah. level. Yeah, like but also there's, there's not, yeah, if you look at it as just from yourself to your friends to your family to your to the universe that still might be too shallow mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. there, i think we also need to go into depth that might be the breadth of it it includes everybody so that would be one one aspect of wholeness i think a lot of people talk about it when we're talking about about uh, <clears throat> the our racial conflicts I think we're talking very much at the very physical level we're all the same aspect of it I think wholeness has much deeper meaning that it includes much more energy much more spirit much more much more 
universal aspects of the universe, mm-hmm. much more energy of a of a deeper level. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I would I, like mm-hmm. to keep wholeness or as a contribution to depth, not okay. just width. So I wonder if if I could introduce like if I could introduce introduce the word consciousness as as part of our exploration of wholeness, which is 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 my consciousness mine and distinct from yours, or is there a connection between our our conscious of consciousness? Right? Is there a um, is there a consciousness that's whole that we're in touch with that? not only transcends bodies, but maybe transcends time and transcends space. Yeah, I think there are two factors to that. Three, my consciousness, I have have your, you have your consciousness and they connect. Now, if I take it to the next level, then I might find that they're actually the same. That your consciousness and my consciousness there is only one consciousness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so but that sounds that sounds a little bit incoherent, or it sounds that that sounds confusing. How can there be? How can we be both separated and connected at the same time? I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, but no, that's yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I am definitely saying that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to explain it? Because you know. Then one time, how are we going to explain that you are, you are, you're saying in one that you're the same, you're different, and you're the same, you're the same, you're the same, mm-hmm. or we're connecting at the level of sameness, one another, satire kind of thing. We're like like the level of sameness, but maybe what I think, and maybe that what David Bow might know say, there is only one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think when we when we have our particular thoughts, um, we may we can call that consciousness. It's a form of consciousness. But I think once that consciousness takes a form, right? Like a once material takes a solid form, I say this is a cup. Now this is separated from all other cups. And so once once my Consciousness takes on a particular identity, a particular social location, age, social insurance number, then that's what creates the division. But if I can realize that there's also consciousness within me, maybe there's way more of this energy of consciousness than that, those particular forms. Is that just within my body? Or is that energy also what allows me? to transcend my own limitation? Is, is that what allows me to connect to another human being? Is, is that what's universal? Um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I do know what, what I do experience is that when I can let go of my attachments to things, then I, I do get a greater sense of freedom and peace. It does feel like I'm not taking my thoughts so seriously i feel it i feel maybe i feel disappointed about something or i feel Mm. annoyed or i feel um hurt by something but i just see that as a 
as a particle of consciousness flowing in a particular way, mm-hmm. but there's, there's a whole universe <clears throat> surrounding that. And it doesn't mean that I am going to choose to just ignore it, but, um, but I guess when, if I have that perspective, I, if I can be in touch with that, then I can see a whole variety of choices. And then not only that, if there's a particle of resentment or hurt that's floating around in, in me, then I can start to connect to the energy of consciousness to surround that particular particle of resentment mm. with compassion, <clears throat> with acceptance, with love, which I would say is not just about me. I think that's about the universality of, of being part of humanity, right? Because if it's just about me, if I'm only empathizing from my perspective, it's, it's limited. It's too small. Um, so there's something, this, this word that I made up, which is particularizing, like particle, but, but making it a particle. I think we, we do that naturally, but I think that entraps us into, um, mm-hmm. into corners somehow. But before you talked about, can we experience both at the same time? Can we, can we experience our particle and our wholeness at the same time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because yeah. it seems like we need to do that you know so that you can take responsibility for your physical level of existence mm-hmm. your relationship level of existence and the universal wholeness of your existence if we vi- vibrate our our being at all three or four or whatever levels there are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it seems to me we need to do that yeah well, I think that that is a good definition of congruence. Um, the, um, the, the balance of things or the harmony of things between these different levels uh, would seem to me to be congruent where, you know, and this is, this is why I've been using this image of the tree to, u- to try to unite or to, to show a relationship between the hierarchical level and the seed level which is on a, let's say at a spiritual level or on the level of self, um, there is a sameness. Um, as a human being, at least, we all have blood flowing with us. We all use oxygen to live. Um, and then we have, we have different roles. We have different uh, skills. We have different resources within us. We also have a, many of the same universal uh, resources. But to bring bring those things together as a whole within ourselves to see that wholeness within ourselves and to see maybe our own individual life as a, and as, as an expression of the cosmos. Like one of, one of the things I've been thinking about is, is time. And, and this is something that David Bohm explores a lot with Krishnamurti, which is what is the nature of time? And um, if, if we, if we can be aware that we artificially demarcate yesterday, today, tomorrow, or this hour from last hour, those, these are all artificial boundaries, just like boundaries around countries. We, we think them becomes a thought and then now we treat it like it's a reality. Um, and, you know, when we experience a different, a distortion of time, that could be because we're, we're really lost into some kind of neuroses, but could, it could also be because of a state of flow. It could be a state of 
uh, beauty, a state of awe. And, and then when we lose attachment to our sense of time, what, um, what is the quality of our consciousness? Um, and I think that that is about the dissolution, the letting go of the, the rigid particles of thought, the, the, the rigid um, patterns of coping stances that, that we can get into. So my, one of my grandsons told me about time. So I think I can tell you about time. Mm -hmm. Please. He, he says, when I put my uh, hand on the stove, time is, you know, I really move fast. And I really <laughs> notice it that uh, I put my hand on too long. But he says, when I'm in the car with my girlfriend, time is, there's no time. It just flows. Yeah. So three hours go by and I didn't even notice it. But in, if I put my my uh, my uh, fingers on the stove for three hours, they just wouldn't be there. Mm. So the difference is very subjective in terms of how we experience time. That's how he was trying to explain uh, the theory of relativity to me the other day, <laughs> a couple of years ago. So so yeah, time is is a big factor in terms of that. Um, mm. But to me, it's like it's it's still you know we want to go when you when you talk about time you're going right into the kind of quantum physics time frame you know like einstein's warp time and time and time and space are all one kind of thing but in our own kind of aspect of it how do we manage time is time managing us or mm -hmm. are we managing time I yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. All, it's already a very big challenge for yeah. most of well well i think if if we can play with time which is if i'm not conscious then time will enslave me because they're the the hierarchical context that surrounds me other people's expectation around time will drive me to meet those expectations so i can be good i can think well of myself i can avoid breaking family rules like you know be on time or other people's expectations so there's all that sort of rigidity around time but if i'm if i'm let's say grounded within myself and i could be aware that time is a construct and i can use it when it fits and i can completely let it go so right now as i'm with you i how i've played with time is i've made i've, I've made sure that we have a couple hours to just play you know and that and, and as we're talking i don't want to think about time i don't want to worry about it I don't want to think I have to do this next or that next. I just want to be completely here with you. And, um, and I, I, I have like faint maybe thoughts or feelings about time, but I, I want to try to be as relaxed with time as possible. Um, so I'm working on my attachment with time, let's say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the phrase that I always remind myself, it's non-reusable. You can't reuse it. You can't put it in the bank. You know, I didn't use my time yesterday, so I have enough more today. It's it's not done. Yeah. So yeah. for me to to remember that it's not reusable, I can't. Yeah. I can't bank it and use it for later. Yeah. 
I don't know if it's Warren Buffett, but somebody with a lot of money said, it might've been Steve Jobs. He said, time is a, is a more valuable resource than money for what yeah. the reason that you're just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Money. If you lose it, you can always make it, you can make up for it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but time you can't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm still playing with your idea about looking at wholeness from different levels that there is well, not a one sense of wholeness. There's well, I would say, I, I, I say we could just jump to let's, if we could jump into the cosmic wholeness and, and skip past because everything else is about thought. Everything else is about a pattern of a particular way of thinking about that. But if we were to try to let go of that and, and be aware of our attachment to the boundaries, the particularizing of, um, you know, this is my country, this is my home, um, that's that's all necessary on a functional level but i think to experience wholeness those kinds of thoughts would get in the way well i like the phrase here you just used like if you talk about cosmic wholeness you immediately know that you're talking about something different than yeah. this wholeness at the very basic level this belongs to me and this is who i am yeah, cosmic, yeah. cosmic, yeah. and what I what I'm trying to remember that if if Satir had used that word, I would have been much more in tune with what she was talking about. Mm -hmm. Even though I don't think she used the word, I think she meant it. She meant wholeness at the cosmic level. Yeah. Well, I think. My my impression from what I've seen of Virginia's presentation is she was so fluid in her use of words that she would use a word one way in one situation and then same word in another context. For example, self self esteem is one of those words. Sometimes she would use it in a cosmic sense of uh, being connected to life force, and then another times she would use it in that more formal psychological sense of feeling good about yourself. So she was uh, she was hard to keep track of. So yeah. I think she was. But she, she yeah. used congruence the same way, though. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Because all those, all those, all those, all those definitions are valid. Um, but I think what as we're what I'm trying to work out with you is, well, sort of from our think tank group, what is the ground of being from which she worked? And I think understanding this larger. Uh, wholeness within the frame of cosm the cosmic is important because you know one of, one of the things I've been thinking about is is death my own death um, my mom died in, in January so the, these questions of um, what what happens to consciousness uh, when it when there isn't a body. And it's funny, my wife, she said, uh, well, you know, she says this often. It's like, well, it's the same thing that happened, you know, before you were born. It's just, you know, nothing. I said, well, hang on a second. Um, what do you remember before three or before four? Well, does that mean that, that some, some kind of consciousness wasn't happening just because you can't, you don't have a de declarative memory of it? And as I'm watching my son, who's just about three and a half, um, 
he's certainly having all kinds of experiences. His consciousness is going through all kinds of learnings and growth. Um, and who knows what he'll have in his declarative memory when we talk about it five years from now, 10 years from now. Um, so I just don't know. I think for me, it's, it's just, a, it's a big mystery about the nature of, obviously the nature of consciousness, but it's a mystery even within the, the years that I have, because I don't know what, what about like, and it's interesting because one of the experiences that I've had in the last 24 hours is I'm able, I'm able to recall some memories in a visceral way that I normally ha don't have access to. So just like eating a particular meal or certain emotions come up and, and I'm not sure what that's about, but I think when I'm vividly remembering something, it does kind of feel like time travel in a way. And so then there's that, that notion of playing with time. You know, when I'm, when I'm really in the memory um, and I'm feeling all that, um, you know, and, and maybe that can be those trance-like states and psychedelic states and uh, the state of consciousness outside of the body. And there's been lots of reports of things like that by um, non-ordinary states of consciousness, for example, like Stanislav Grob's work. But um, I don't know. So this this starts to open up all kinds of mysterious things about, you know, what is consciousness? What is experience? Mm -hmm. But I think it's yeah. relevant to wholeness because we're trying to at least draw a map around what's the territory that we're exploring right? and to not get bogged down by any particular thing, which I think the psychotherapies and, and one of the things I appreciate about Virginia's work was she didn't limit, she didn't limit herself to any particular frame. Um, and I think that uh, that has allowed her work to touch upon so much, so many different fields and has stimulated our curiosity about how, how big this work can be, what it can really impact. Yeah. When you, when she talks about first birth, second birth, or third birth, fourth birth yeah. kind of thing, see there, there are some developmental that could be developmental kind of thing, or it could be just, time again it's time based too but the fourth birth she talks about calls it consciousness so to me then from third birth of becoming responsible for your own behavior your own action your own your life excuse me to uh, to a higher level of consciousness it's it's right there she has mentioned it she just hasn't evolved, developed it to the point where it makes so much sense to us but I think it's been there all along, just same as with wholeness. I think it's been there all along. We don't have to look for it. We just have to look for it clearer or cleaner mm -hmm. or more vividly or deeper so that we can understand it. But yeah, she had it. She somehow had it. Well, she, I think she worked from that basis, right? She, yeah. she worked from this cosmic basis. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's what made mm -hmm. her work so powerful um because well, yeah yeah i want to make sure that we don't make it just a casual kind of thing like she, she said you no know, like operate it so sometimes i was using a terrible word i said okay she is she is a 
person who connects with the public, the so-called masses. So she has a message for the masses, how to be, to be more responsible. And then she has a message for the more enlightened people to be more whole to the universal level. So to me, it's like we have these people that say Ken Wilbur talks about operating at different levels of, of um, reality. And it seems like she wanted to talk to all levels. So some go there and it's like a conversation or just a, a little simple kind of level of understanding how I behave and how I can change and how I can touch with my feelings. And the other higher level could be like, who am I? And how can I connect with the universe? And how can I be part of the universe at the conscious level? So it seems to me that she does the whole spectrum of life instead of just one level. So do you, do you think that she does that with everyone? Or are you saying that she does different levels with different people? Well, see, the, one, the, way I want, the way I have tried to explain it to myself is <clears throat> she did, as a teacher, and I was a teacher way back in, she was a teacher with different grades in the same classroom. And she had to teach these people mm -hmm. at different levels. And so sometimes I describe Sadir in terms of imagine she is still a teacher teaching at different levels. Mm -hmm. So if you're going there, you can, if you're at grade one, you're going to hear at grade one. And then it makes sense to you. But if you're grade two, you're going to also hear and it's meaningful for you and so forth. So I sometimes challenge my my audience and say now if that's so what 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 level are you hearing me at what level are you working in terms of that are we at the elementary level at grade one or are you at level grade, are you at level six because if you're at level six then i will answer the question this way if you're at level one i will answer the question this way and i try to be consciously aware if i can at what level they are experiencing their sense of reality. And then my answer will be more fitting for them. Mm -hmm. So some people I say, okay, I will answer that question at that level. If that doesn't mean anything, it's okay. It might not mean anything to you at all, mm -hmm. but it, it happens to mean a lot to him or her because I know where she's coming from based or at least I guess that I know where she's coming from. My picture is that Virginia Satir would talk at all those levels at the same time, whereas most of us talk at one level or two levels at the mm. most. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So what, what you're saying is really confusing me. So, I'm, <laughs> and so, so let me try to explain my confusion. So very sort of taking your, let's say it's an analogy of the classroom and these grades, you know, one could think of those things as one's intellectual level, right? So there's gradations along one's yeah. intellectual right. capacity, but I don't think that's what you mean. I think you, you mean something much more diverse than that across levels of um, maybe the mandala, the level of you know, where are you emotionally? Where are you in your consciousness? Where are you in terms of your spiritual development, say like across grades, across all different components of what make up a person. 
right? So yeah. that's that's a very comp that's a very complicated thing to do. But so maybe I'll, I'll share a different picture of it, which is I think I think what is useful is to be in touch with what we're calling this cosmic wholeness all the time. Because I think if we're if if we allow that to be the foundation, even if I'm talking about something that is intellectual, if my grounding from where I'm speaking to you is from that sense of wholeness, that sense of of a larger wholeness that transcends person, place, country, then maybe what I'm expressing is a life energy or a love that will help put that person in a connection with me, perhaps, that they'll take whatever it is they need to take. And I can create a forum that, and I know Virginia, she wanted to be able to speak at a level that someone in grade two would be able to understand. She wanted to speak in as simple a way as possible so that most people could get it. Um, but I think it's, it's the foundation of what we're saying of wholeness and of the largest map of wholeness was was so important so that you could speak at all these different other different levels and not get lost into, well, I'm speaking from a scientific perspective or I'm speaking from a logical perspective or I'm speaking from an emotional level. Because though that that separation is I think what creates confusion. But if I'm looking at the largest frame possible, then I include all those parts. And I could speak about them in a simple way, whether I'm speaking to someone who's two, two, two years old or speaking to someone who's 102. Um, I don't know. Does that, does that add anything to what, what you were saying in terms of the... Yeah. See, I, see I, can, I can only perceive at the level that I can perceive. You know, I can only understand at the level I can understand. And if I have to understand, and you can use, I would use mathematics for my picture. I can only understand the mathematics level I'm capable. When it comes to trigonometry or even beyond that, I get kind of lost aspect of it. So I like the idea that you're talking about. I will be <clears throat> trying to be in touch with my wholeness, whatever that means. And I will try to manifest that spirit that that uh, energy but that doesn't mean my my audience has the same experience they're worry, worrying about their their uh, kid not going to school they're worrying about you know how they're going to make their next meal they're operating at a very different level than i experience myself so i'm not going to expect them to ready to make sense or make meaning or even appreciate if I'm talking about universal wholeness. They want to talk about how to survive. So they're at this sort of survival level. So can I touch mm -hmm. their survival level? Mm -hmm. Can I talk to them at the level of their survival so that they can be in that I can be in touch with how they experience themselves and help them lift up their experience to a higher energy but wouldn't you say you also you also connect to the level of their yearnings which is a is a, is a different level it, you're you're not just in touch with the survival energy 
Yeah, I'm so I'm see I am I will be in touch with their their universal level maybe be way before they are. Yes, yes. Yeah, but I think they experience that maybe not consciously. Yeah. They right. will experience me differently. They will say, Oh, that was different experience. I don't know what's the difference. Yes, yes. Okay. Really, so I really good. experience that differently. Yes, yes. They might not be able to articulate what's happening. Like we're 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 trying yeah. to to articulate something that's um well anyways it's 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 it doesn't belong yeah. to a particular discipline right so i can't say that it's like can be found in this measuring cup but um but it's it's a quality of wholeness that i'm trying to be in touch with myself i'll give you an example can i give you an example yeah. yes please okay there was a time i have an office in my home so i've been i've been seeing clients in my home it's special, special entrance, special exit, special waiting room. But it, anyway, it's in the home. Mm-hmm. So there was a time many years ago where we were going to sell the house. And there's a couple came there and they, the man was quite upset about, about me selling the house. I don't know why, but anyway, he was upset. And his wife said, why are you upset? It's just, you know, you know. We we can go wherever he goes, you know. We can go. I mean, this is a this is a couple that you saw. It was a client, yeah. It was a client he so saw. The client, okay. the husband of the client of the couple was upset that I was going to sell the house. Okay. Because he liked my office so much, and he she said, "No, no, no. It's not the office. It's John. It's John that has the energy. It's not the office." <laughs> Yeah, and I think yeah. that's that to me is telling. That's what I think. What I heard you say, that's what you bring into a relationship, especially if it's a client counselor relationship. You bring that whole life force there, but the client might not have any access to that at that moment consciously. They're talking about their pain or their trouble or their 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 feelings. They're not in tune with that. But I know it's there, and I'm, and they might experience mine, but they might not be able to put it in words. But they could say, you know, being with him or her in a in a contextual relationship is very peaceful. It's very very trusting. It's safe, and so I carry that with me. Say. Now, if, through, if I'm very busy and it had something terrible just happened and I go and see my client, I assume you know, that they very often could pick that up. They say, okay, John isn't here all. He's not here fully today. Yes. He's kind of busy with something else. And so, so it's, what I'm trying to see is I need to know or assess we're doing, we very often do it verbally, but can I assess my client where he or she's at at any given time? Mm-hmm. And can I help them raise their, uh, their level of existence? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the problem, say, the problem is not the problem, is one of Satir saying. And so if the problem is not the problem, if the problem, the problem is actually the solution, then what? can I go deeper to find out what's really going on? Mm-hmm. No, I think I, I'm agreeing. I, I think we're saying we're on the same page. I think w- what I would say to clarify it is the form 
of which I might use to give a piece or to make a connection or uh, you know, execute an intervention, the form of that uh, would have to depend on their level, their level of consciousness. Yeah. But I think what we're talking about in terms of this sense of wholeness or, or being connected to that within myself and being connected to that in the other and knowing that in the space between us, it's all, it's all surrounding us. I think that's always there all the time. And I think I'm, I'm better served in my yeah. role as a therapist, being aware of that and realizing that we're swimming in those waters. They may not have a conscious uh, articulation of that. And I might not either. Um, but I think when, when the work is flowing in a particular direction, it's because I'm in, I'm in touch with that um, level. So it's, it's, yeah, coming back to the seed, the seed model, it's like a particular form needs to arrive in, in a moment because we are living in time and space. So I need to say something that's going to be at the level of the person who's asking the question or uh, mm -hmm. who, the teenager that I'm working with or the seven-year-old or the couple, you know, whatever level of coping or level of consciousness that they bring. But the larger ocean, the larger body of water is this notion of wholeness. And that informs the value that I communicate to them through my eyes and, and the mm -hmm. way that I use my mm -hmm. voice. And um, yeah. so that's, it's, it's both there and then manifesting in whatever specific way it needs to. Um, okay. How, how are we doing with wholeness? Well, I mean, that's been a pretty, I think we're going to have to explore it some more. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. And, and how, what do you experience? What have you been experiencing through this conversation? How's, how has it felt for you? I can ask well, you the insight. The feeling is okay. The thing is, you know, it's, it's like talking with you about it. I have to put it in words, you know, so I, so I'm feeling like, okay, a lot of these things I'm, I'm sort of kind of aware and have a past of it, but I've never put it in words. So I'm enjoying the idea or the struggle actually mm -hmm. of putting it in words in terms of that. So that will give me a chance to continue this thought, you know, how do I put it in words? What do I understand mm -hmm. in it? Because sometimes I, I will stop at the intuitive level. I have a feel for it. I have a feeling what it means. But I've never voiced it to anybody because no one around here is interested. So I don't, I don't, uh, I don't verbalize it. And I'm just so aware from our discussion that you can verbalize it much better than I feel I can mm -hmm. in terms of that. That doesn't mean that we have a, such a different understanding of it. No. But I need mm -hmm. to, I need to be more in my words. Mm -hmm. That's... Well, I think I think that's the relationship between the form and the formless, or between what we're calling being connected to this universal energy, and then um, because my my sense is if if I can articulate this, whether if a person's an atheist or if they have a particular belief, if I can connect to this universal cosmic life force in a way that that um, satisfies them intellectually that satisfies them rationally, that it's logical, but then also transcendent and can explain the experiences they're having when a loved one dies and they're completely in chaos. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. then then we're interacting at multiple levels and they know that I want to be with them at all these different levels. I don't want to just satisfy one level. Wherever they go, I want to be able to say, I'm thinking about that with you or I'm feeling through that with you. And I don't, I don't want to leave anything alone out of my own ignorance or, you know, and I think this is what you're helping me do is, is explore this, this realm, which I'm very curious about because I feel it intuitively. I'd like to enrich my, my articulation of it, not because the articulation is more important. It's just, you know, I, I want to have a map so that I can, I can feel a little bit more grounded in it, but then also I, I might have some phrases or words or I can have the experience of expressing something so that when I'm expressing it to people that I'm working with, they'll feel a little bit maybe less maybe uh, confused or, you know, um, yeah, because I, I, like, I like things to be clear but not so rigid that they're not alive anymore. That, mm-hmm. that we're using language. My hope is that we're using language that doesn't betray that we're engaged in a process here, that there are no conclusions. Once we have a conclusion, then it's dead. You know? But what I enjoy about our conversation is that you're, you're very willing to not make a conclusion. You're very happy to ask the tough questions. So this is important See, for me. To me, when I, you talked about Stuart Pittock before, my, my school friend, you know, he is in this verbalization process in terms of most of my experiences through music. So I don't need to verbalize mm-hmm. my experience. I have it through music. So I can, I can have that kind of wholeness experience without really making much use of the language. It's all music kind of. Mm-hmm. So I will spend, I will probably spend more time per hour, per day in the music world than in the talking world. And so for me mm-hmm. to be able to or be encouraged or challenged to put it in words is very good because mm-hmm. otherwise I would just say, well, it's just there. It's just like music. <laughs> How can I have you enjoy my music by just me talking about it? You know, I would have to say, come and listen. I will play it for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But in talking, we need to have these words. So to me, it's very helpful. So that's what, when you say, well, how do you feel about this? I say, oh, it generates me, my thinking process more than if I were just be left alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, because you have the, the experience <clears throat> and you're in, you feel satisfied by that, you're not, I think, tempted as other people might be to try to find it in a book or to find it in a religion, say, you know, not that I'm saying that there's something wrong with that, but there's, there's potential dangers with that too. Right. Like if I say, um, I've read the book and I follow these precepts, let's say blindly without being in touch with what's alive in me. And I say, I have to cut out certain parts of myself to be able to follow this prescription of how to be a human being. Then we get into something like family rules that restrict, let's say, the free flow of being able to comment on things or to feel your feelings or to ask for what you want. And I think that's what Virginia um, put out into the world through her work and her model was 
what are the things that will facilitate growth? What are the things that facilitate genuine human com communication and connection? And, um, you know, we're, we're playing with pictures and analogies and, and metaphors to, to try to um, point at something. But what we're talking about is, is very different than the experience. And, um, but I think talking about it is important because it's not so much talking about it and saying, this is what it is. I think talking about it and using language to say, this is not what it is. It's almost like the signpost to, signpost to say, beware of, of making that conclusion. And I think if, if, if anyone listening to this, if that could be the thing to just to watch your attachment to thoughts, uh, be aware of your own conclusions. And, you know, personality disorders are, are conclusions of how to cope that just don't work. You know, to so mm -hmm. so looking at psychology in that way or psychopathology in that way, these are rigid conclusions based on let's say attachment experiences that um, that that don't work for intimacy. Say you know higher levels of intimacy, they may work for survival, but they don't work for um, sustainable communication or relationships. Um, okay, John, I think. Um, I think we've we've done we've done as well as we can today. I appreciate you.